You're listening to Maybe You're Like Me, the transparent musings of a God girl chasing after her purpose. Maybe You're Like Me is a podcast for dreamers and doers who take life's lessons and level up to look more like Christ. We'll connect through super relatable stories, growing pains, and aha moments that most of us share, just not always out loud. I'm your host, Alicia Watson, creative entrepreneur, playwright, author, wife, mother, daughter of the king, and so much more. And I can't help but to think that maybe you're like me. Hey, hey, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Maybe You're Like Me. Happy Monday. And a happy Monday it is indeed. It's the first Monday in March, the first day in March. And I woke up and it was light outside when I woke up, which if you're anything like me and you suffer from seasonal affective disorder, the hope that March brings with it is exciting. I just cannot at all anything from the months of October through February when the weather just dips below a certain temperature, 50 degrees basically, and it's just dreary and gray. And that's how I feel on the inside. So when March comes, I just feel just this surge of motivation and excitement and hope and expectation because my season is on the way. Summer is my season. Uh, Spring is the intro to that season. I can dig it. Like there's newness of life. There's new leaves on the trees they're like budding and there's green and the grass turns green again and the birds get more vibrant the sun shines more and there's just warmth on my skin because I don't like winter (sighs) so I am feeling amazing (laughs) during this first day of March throughout winter I have to be conscious about checking my emotions and my moods Um, and sometimes I'm a little ho-hum And I know I'm not the only one. I was actually talking to a friend the other day and she was basically fed up. Um, She felt pulled on and drained, used and abused, disrespected and thrown away all by people she loved, cared for, showed up for and poured into so much. And you know what? She's not alone in that sentiment. I tend to attract people, you know, like attracts like. So the people that are like in my friends group, like my closest friends are pretty much people that are a lot like me. They're givers, they're dependable, they're reliable, they're motivators, they're inspirational, generally cool people, but they're typically the strong friend, you know, when it's like, you see those memes that are like, check on your strong friend because people typically tend to pull on them more than they pour into them, right? So when she was describing how she was feeling, I could so relate. There are times that I feel very alone in my life and in my walk. Um, There are times when I feel very used and abused and pulled on, but not poured into too. Sometimes I feel like my friends and family don't actually see me and that they don't get me. And I've often felt that they don't love me the way that I need to be loved and definitely don't show up for me the way that I would show up for them. And I know it's not only my friend and I who feel this way. It might not be true. It might not be completely accurate, and we know sometimes it's not. It's just how we feel. It's a hard pill to swallow, but with a bit of perspective shift, we can lift out of our funk and dismantle the walls of protection that we build when people behave this way towards us to continue to show up and serve in the ways that we were created to serve. So maybe you're like me and you are tired of people. Y'all listen, between 2018 and 2020, I call it my wilderness season, and I could really identify with this feeling. There were so many days that I woke up with such a feeling of like heaviness and frustration. And 
usually what I do to kind of overcome that because I thrive on like optimism and positivity. Um, so I really would try to fight it. I drive to one of my favorite parks and sit by the water and reflect because, you know, water brings me peace. Soon enough, I would find myself crying my eyes out. Some days the feelings that led to the crying would gang up on me and I end up having a full out panic attack. And I talked about that in season one. I do not enjoy panic attacks at all. Sometimes they're scary, they're frustrating to have, especially when you like to be in control because it feels like you're out of control. But when I'm overwhelmed with all these emotions, it really can compound and make you feel like the world is closing in on you. So even as I would try to fight off the attack through praying and meditating to let the Lord speak to me, I would then start to cry again because I would start start to assign the same feelings that I was having, those feelings of disappointment and disregard to the God that I serve. I knew better, but I didn't feel what I knew. Some days I would ask God, do you love me? Do you hate me too? Am I insignificant to you too? And one day while questioning in my spirit, I heard the Lord telling me that there's nothing that I've experienced that Jesus had not. Duck lips. <laughs> you know, that meme with the dude with the cup in his hand and he like, does the duck lips, purses the lips and turns away. That's how I was feeling. So I tried to call him on it saying, well, Jesus has not experienced this. Like Jesus was loved. Jesus was followed and admired by his friends, his disciples, his followers. But he reminded me of the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where Jesus took his three closest disciples, his rider dies with them so that they could watch and pray. Jesus asked, his three friends for very specific help. He was worried to the point of death because his time of suffering was drawing near and he wanted to know from God if this thing didn't really have to happen. I can't tell you what he's thinking or feeling really, but by his disappointment, you can probably guess that he thought that he could depend on them and he was wrong because they kept falling asleep. He asked them three times to watch and pray and they kept on sleeping. And each time he found them sleeping, he went back and prayed for himself again. Finally, he said, never mind, never mind. Have your rest, but look, it's time. And the bad guys are rolling up on him to arrest him and take him away. And get this, when they get there, Judas, another friend, was the one to kiss him so that Jesus's captors could identify him. Because, you know, there was no social media. There was no evening news. There were no, like, photographers around all the time so that you have an image of what Jesus actually looked like. So this person who walked with him had to identify him to his captors. Like, let me verify that this is the one you want so that we can make sure you take him away. This guy who walked with Jesus, knew Jesus, saw Jesus's miraculous power and loving kindness. And in spite of all that, betrayed Jesus to people he didn't even know. People who could not even confidently pick Jesus out in the crowd without his help. And he helped them. What? Then, then when everything was going down, Peter decided that he wanted to slice off the ear of one of the bad guys. Like really, Peter? You were just so sleepy. What, you got adrenaline now? <laughs> like, oh, you up? Okay, yeah. No, Jesus was like, nah, that's not even what we're here for. So he reattached the ear. It was too late. That, that violence, like Peter chose violence that day. <laughs> and Jesus, that wasn't what he needed. That wasn't what he wanted. Before they even went to pray, the disciples reassured him with their words that they would never forsake him or leave him, but that they would die with him if necessary. He didn't need that either. He didn't ask for their words or their violence. He asked them very specifically to watch and pray, but they slept. 
People like us get tired of people sleeping on us, especially as we have loyally and kindly and compassionately shown up for them time and time again. We get tired of them trying to outwit us for their own benefit like Judas. We get tired of the betrayal, the lies, the cheating, the flakiness of people saying that they will be there when you need them, but when you actually need them, it's crickets. We all have people in our lives that are not giving us what we need and what we want. And even when we ask very specifically for the things that we need and that we want, they seem to ignore them in favor of what they want to do, what's best for them. Eventually, these feelings reached a boiling point for me. So I broke out cinder blocks and mortar and I started building a wall, then a drawbridge. Then I made a moat and I filled it with gators and then I created a canine unit so I could Montgomery Burns style release the hounds on anyone on my lawn that had been banished from my sanctuary. It was viper armed out here. <laughs> my bitterness was at an all time high and I only let in those people who felt safe until they disappointed me. And then they were Jazzy Jeff tossed from the building too. Until I got to a relationship that I could not easily cancel, which is my marriage. And through this tough season in my marriage, God has revealed to me that while I have built a wall around myself because people have broken my trust, it's not his will for me, this wall. My sanctuary has also become my prison. I've been so locked down here that no one can come in, but I failed to see that that also meant that I could not go out. And it showed up in relationships across the board from family to friends, to my marriage, to my relationship with God, to even my client relationships. My friend Stelina Goodwin, a brilliant, lovely lady, <laughs> put it to me like this as I tried to justify my bitterness towards my offenders and how they would never be allowed back in because it's so secure over here. She said, you're not secure, you're guarded. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, cause she's brilliant. So she explained it to me in this way. She said, if you were secure, you would be secure in Christ and able to trust his protection. Right now you're just, you're guarded. My mind was blown. <laughs> you know, I've always felt very transparent in that I don't have a problem with vulnerability, but what I share is absolutely selective vulnerability. I'm guarded with how deep I go with people who I let into my space, whom I let counsel me. And it's because I have so much trauma around trusting people who take advantage of givers and generous people. But the way to heal from that trauma for me is not unforgiveness, cancellation, and isolation. And listen, I'm not even through this season of my life yet, if I'm being honest. But I do wanna share some revelation and actions that have been helping me move forward because y'all, God has been dealing with me on this. Number one, I have to start with the acknowledgement that I need to forgive because I myself have been forgiven. Aside from merciful God who desires and requires that we be merciful toward our fellow man. It's really hard because it takes a lot to really hurt me. So when you do, it feels very, very malicious and very intentional. But that does not mean that what I feel is the reality of what someone is motivated by. How someone treats you, responds to you, reacts to you can vary from moment to moment depending on what they're going through. But because of the trauma, I have a bent towards taking lots of things personally that don't need to be taken personally. And that's not necessarily what they meant by their actions, but by banishing people right off the bat without even communicating my disappointment because real talk, they already know what they did, in my mind at least, 
I don't give them a chance to tell their side of the story or to even apologize or to provide some closure or to understand where I'm coming from. I just poof, disappear. And honestly, in my mind, they don't care because if they cared, they would not have done what they did. And if they see that I've disappeared and they know that they had some hand in it, I would think that they would come after me. I've learned to embrace the fact that most people's actions have more to do with them than they have to do with me. So number two, it's okay to open up. Just set the appropriate boundaries and expectations. I've lived by the golden rule of treating people how I would want to be treated, but I had to let go of the idea that people will or should treat me exactly like I treat them. They are not me. So if I am nice to a fault, dependable to a fault and available to a fault, that's a decision I made. And though it would be nice if they return the loyalty, people are not perfect. People are not me. They are human. They mess up. They disappoint us. They act from their own experiences, their own situations, circumstances, their own personalities, their own motives. But so do I. So if my friendship is merely an investment to see a return, a piggy bank that I fill with rainy day favors, then my generosity in and of itself is tainted. It's less about my character than about my insecurities. It's less about my compassion for others than my need for them to return compassion for me. So the third lesson is that sometimes I am kind as a form of codependency. For too long, I have found my value in being indispensable, being faithful to people, being in the trenches, encouraging, supporting, uplifting, because I needed people to need me. And um, that's toxic, <laughs> if I can use that overused word. If I'm always caping up with the idea of Alicia to the rescue, then who can really feel like they need to be there for me. That's where the lack of vulnerability is most evident. But I'm no one's hero. I'm no one's savior. And again, if we only serve, take action or show up so that people can be pleased with us, giving us wild applause and accolades and appreciation certificates, it will be so hard to find peace within ourselves or to stand in our identities in seasons where our cups are not running over, our batteries are depleted, we're burned out and we have nothing to give. Those same people will carry on without coming to check on us. And then we'll start to question if we ever really mattered. We always mattered. We will always matter. <laughs> but it's because of who we are and not solely what we do. That leads me to the last part, finding our identity and security in Christ. We're right to be suspicious of people. All have sinned. All sinned. No one is good and no one's heart is pure. It's why Jesus said we have to deny ourselves daily, take up our crosses and follow him. It's a daily practice. But if God doesn't throw people away, it's not for us to throw them away either. Jesus didn't banish Judas from the clique, even though he knew he would betray him in the worst way. Jesus was focused more on God's will than his own protection. That's the most important lesson for me in this season. And as I approach or as I leave my wilderness season, as God has just brought so many people back into my life, like nothing ever changed, right? These connections that I had that I felt like I was tearing down with my season of wilderness and isolation, they pop back up and we pick back up like nothing ever happened. And we pick back up like no time had passed. Every time I take my eyes off the big picture, off of what God is teaching me about me through these relationships, I start to doubt my value and become bitter all over again. 
But when I trust who God says I am, that nothing that I am experiencing is in vain and that even through these painful times, he's got the premises on lock. I can relax into merciful compassion for others. When I'm trying to defend and protect myself, I cannot leave my prison of emotions. But when I trust God to be my security, I can walk out confidently and serve confidently and show up confidently knowing that what no one else is experiencing and what no one else is doing can either benefit me or harm me. I can start to show up for others again, not to shape their perceptions of me, but from a confident space of knowing who I am and whose I am and what he has given me to offer. And oh, has he given me things to offer. He has given all of us things to offer, but you cannot hide your talents out of the fear of people hurting you or people underappreciating you or people rejecting you. You can't hide yourself away waiting for people to come and find you as a way to confirm how much they value you in your mind. At least I know I can't. I already know my value and whether someone else agrees with that and acts like it is not my concern. I can pray for them earnestly. I can ask for God to bless them earnestly from a space of maturity and from a space of understanding of whose opinion of me is most important. Let everything you do be because of how much God values you and the work he did for you on the cross, the work he did for those you are called to serve. Don't miss your opportunity to hear well done because you're guarding your ego. God's got you covered on that front. So friends, we may be tired of people. <laughs> it happens. And that's okay. Like we don't have to stay sunshiny and positive all the time. But let's ask God to help us to see them as he sees them. And to let us see ourselves as he sees us too. If we can see from his perspective, his elevated perspective and move forward with softened hearts with gratitude about how often he's forgiven our offenses against him I think it will be possible for us to forgive others because sometimes it really does feel impossible sometimes there's just a darkness that people's behaviors and actions and words put over your heart over your mind over your idea of the way forward but it is possible if you let that light shine through you if you seek to love them instead of treat them like they've treated you if you seek to not <laughs> banish them from your presence and if you seek to not ignore the feelings and actually communicate what you feel because you can't bottle that energy up within yourself, then you will free yourself up from your prison of emotions to actually be human and let other people be human too. Because in our humanity is where we find our true savior necessary, which is Jesus. We can see how important we are to him and how much he loves us and cares for us and desires wholeness for each and every one of us. Even through this season, let him heal you. Do the work. Have hard conversations if you need to. Let go, move forward, put on the whole armor of God, let down the bridge and come out of hiding. The world needs what you, what we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you today. If you're like me, I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at the Alicia Watson, send a DM and let's chat. If you know someone who is like us, please share this episode with them. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to find podcasts. And I hope you have a wonderful week.
Okay. Bye.